There are questions about Victor Oladipo, his actual status, and how much he's even going to get paid. Plus, the NBA snitch hotline is blowing up, but that's a good thing here, I think. Uh, we think, and we don't think we know everything that's going on, and that's kind of a bit of a problem here on this Wednesday Locked On NBA podcast. Let's go. You are Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Middle of the week, here to bring you home to the other side. It's the Locked On NBA Wednesday podcast with me, one of your regular co-hosts, John Corrales. I host the Locked On Celtics podcast. You can find me on Twitter at RedsArmy underscore John. And I'm Jake Madison, host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Nola Jake. And we can find Victor Oladipo... On the practice floor for the Indiana Pacers, it's kind of weird because he had said, eh, I don't want to play. I'm out. And then he still traveled with the team, which is interesting because you only get 35 people in your traveling party. So to essentially waste one on a player that's not going to play, Oladipo or not, star or not, you want to make sure you've got the people that you need around. So they took him down there, and now he's practicing. And now that now he says he might play. And this has created an interesting scenario for the NBA and how much Oladipo is really going to get paid. Because, let's let's lay the groundwork here, Jake. He's He says he's healthy, or the, the team says he's healthy. He looks good. He's practicing. He looks good. Which means his opt-out is a healthy opt-out in the league's eyes. Which means he doesn't get paid. However, he is recovering from an injury and the, his, his agent, his, he had said like the, the fear of risk of injury is part of the reason why behind, behind this. And if it's an injury related thing, he could be out but still get paid. So there is a little bit of positioning here, and the Pacers are like, we'll pay him anyway. It doesn't matter to us, but it matters, Jake, to the league. Yeah, ab- absolutely. This is this is a weird, weird situation. Like, this should be a non-story, right? Whether he plays or not, the Pacers say, we're going to pay your salary. If you're them and this is your star player, I understand even wanting to bring him to Orlando to go through practices with you to get those reps in since he's coming back from injury. And... This, that should be that, but the league wants to take a principled stand here, and I get it from them too. I think they just don't want guys who are healthy to opt out, collect their money, and just take a long off season where they can relax and put out a worse product out there on the court. And this is about the AMBA's return to play, and it's largely about money like you and I have talked about for weeks on here. So putting out a worse product doesn't end up being a good thing. So they want guys playing in this. I don't think this is going to end up kind of leading to uh, the – it's like a slippery slope, I think they feel like, and I just don't see it like that. These guys are too competitive to really not go out there and not play, I think, um, you know, particularly if you're getting paid millions of dollars to do it. So I don't think very many guys would just opt out like they were worried about and just say, screw it, we're not – you know, we're just going to collect our money and sit at home. Most of these guys want to play. There's a reason you're not seeing a ton of guys opt out. But they're taking a very principled stand on here, which is very anti-player – I don't know if that's the best move you want to be doing in times like this is maybe my look at it. Yes, I understand that completely. And I'm, I'm always pro player. Like always pro player. You and I are like very big labor movement here and stick it to management. You got to break them, right? But this is like that meme where it's, (laughs) it's the Skip Bayless, 
Stephen A. meme where you said it and whatever. Uh, but um, the rules are what they are, and they were agreed to by the union. And while the Pacers certainly want to re-sign Victor Oladipo and they want to play nice, and of course they're going to say, yeah, I want to pay this guy. But if he sits out, is healthy, and just says, you know what, I, I am not going to play, and they say, okay, we'll pay you anyway, then what does Davis Bertans do? And what do the Wizards do? Do the, the Wizards, do they want to pay Davis Bertans? I mean, they also want to sign him as a free agent, but maybe they're in a different financial position. Anybody that is opting out and says, you know what, I, I just don't feel comfortable doing this, does that team have to pay that player? That kind of negates what they agreed to. So as pro yeah. player as I am, I also am somebody who says, look, you agreed to this scenario. You agreed to say, Hey, if I'm, if I'm not going to play and I'm a healthy scratch, this is, this is the choice I'm going to make. You're not going to be penalized, but you're also not going to be paid. Like, so I don't think you can have it both ways. And and if he goes down there and he's healthy and he wants to play, great. If he plays, pay him, done, fine. But if he doesn't play, then I think you should abide by the agreement that you entered into this with. So I think then it becomes – no, it's, it's a tricky situation, right? And I wonder if this then becomes like almost a, a competitive advantage if the Pacers like pay him for the future, Think about how you look as a team to a pending free agent versus, say, Washington. Let's use them as an example, and they don't uh, pay Bertans. If you were a free agent, which team – and all, thing, all other things are equal, let's say. you know, Maybe that moves the needle more for the Indiana Pacers because, frankly, they're going to take better care of you. And I think that can be a very big thing. So, yeah, certainly, you know, maybe you look at this from like a parity aspect of things. You know, like we got to make th- sure things are fair across the board and we don't want one team that maybe has more money and is in a better financial, you know, situation to kind of do this because in some weird way, you know, it falls under the salary cap and everything's fine, but it kind of gets around it a little bit, right? Like it feels like there's a little bit of almost like dirty dealing with this, even if we want these players to get paid. So I can kind of see why the league is willing to potentially dig their heels into this. It also had shades of, and I think this gets negated too as an aside to all of this, of like the Derrick Rose situation from what, 2013 when he was coming back and doctors were clearing him to play and he was like, my body doesn't feel right and you basically can't tell me that I'm cleared to play and I should be playing when something doesn't feel right in my knee to me. Though it doesn't seem like it's been that situation since I think by everyone's account, like Oladipo's fine and could go. And for whatever reason, he was just maybe like, nah, I want to wait all things considered because these are just weird times with it all. So I don't know. It's a weird, complex situation. I see it from like both sides of it, but I do see why the league is taking this like very principled stand. Yeah. It's, and look, it's, it's tough because you, Everybody should just get paid. Like, you should just get paid. This should be, like, very simple. But also, like, finances are tighter for these teams here. Right. If you don't have to pay someone, it's Oladipo. It's, like, $3 million left on his contract for the season. Like, yeah. 
if you don't have three million dollars, you don't want to pay someone three million dollars, you know? Yeah. Well, uh, pro basketball talk broke this down and said at stake for Oladipo, if the if the Pacers get swept in the first round, he he would get two point seven million. If they play five playoff games, it's two point nine million. If you play six or more playoff games, it's three point two million. I think I think the workaround the workaround here is Oladipo plays a game. And then they say, "Up, oh, it's sore. That knee's sore. We're shutting him down." Yeah, and that's then, a good way to go about it. Oh, I like that. Say, that's dirty too. Screw yeah. it. Yeah, let's get weird with uh injury reports and stuff. This is you like know? how Beal all of a sudden just developed a shoulder injury and he can't go to the bubble and play when it was like, "Wait a second. Right. Like, where, where was this before? Right. So yeah, that makes sense. That's probably what they're doing in Washington now. It all makes sense to me. <laughs> you know, so you never know. It's, it's, it's hard to say with these guys. Yeah. yeah of but course. it's, it's a situation to watch. The Pacers are going to stand by Oladipo for sure, but the league, the league has its motivations. So they don't have a mass exodus, especially of the lower seated teams that may may see like all right we're we're not really doing anything here and if we're going to get paid like the suns like if, if I was about to say Booker might be like a prime example of this right like well if 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 we can get paid and I don't have to play then I'm out and then that's and that takes away a, a star that is somewhat marketable and you want to have them yeah. on it's it's a ratings thing so there there are reasons here and it's it's difficult this whole thing is difficult from top to bottom that's why this thing feels like there are rules that are being put in place and kind of tweaked along the way and it feels like they're kind of making it up as they go along it's also why they have a snitch hotline because they need to know who's breaking the rules who's doing what and how they need to adjust that snitch hotline is in use and we're going to talk about it being in use. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait for this segment. When we come back on the Lockdown NBA podcast. If your Twitter timeline was flooded with Chris Paul jokes... It was probably in response to Sham Sharania's tweet <laughs> that said multiple tips had been placed into the NBA's anonymous hotline to report protocol violations on campus. And some players have received warnings from violations, sources told Sham Sharania, and the as league ensures social distancing and mask protocols on campus. So obviously Chris Paul earned the jokes by pointing out that uh, I forget who it was that his his jersey wasn't tucked in. Now he's the NBA snitch among snitches, and so that's why we're getting all the Chris Paul jokes. But we're getting tips. I love it. I love that this. This is great. Moves. This I is awesome. It. Like every, so, this is like the most perfect NBA bubble story, and this is probably going <laughs> to be my favorite thing that comes out of it because it's kind of ridiculous. And we can all get our Chris Paul jokes off with him calling in and the operator being like, Chris, no, hang up. Don't do this. <laughs> or telling him like, no, sir, this is a Wendy's just to get him off the phone because he's caught this on speed dial and Verizon's like, what is this dude doing here calling this number over and over again? And then also I love it because they should be using it. They should be doing this. The, the, this bubble is working so far, it sounds like, but it is like tentative at best, right? 
it feels like you're on a knife's edge with this. Yeah. You've got to take it very seriously. And if players are calling in and doing that and reporting violations of protocol of social distancing, of not wearing masks and all of the stuff, it means they want this to succeed. And it means you can stamp out this behavior that might cause this bubble to pop. That's exactly what you want. So yeah. you've got people taking this very important safety tool seriously and we can make jokes. Like, hell yeah, this is the most perfect thing ever for nba twitter and us on this show like what's what's the current trend right now it's normalize x i'm normalize snitching in the bubble i want this to be accepted and i want it to be utilized i'm with you a hundred percent if somebody's out there being an idiot bust them call them out and make and and he should be dinged i i on the lockdown celtics podcast a couple days ago went nuts over Dwight Howard walking around without a mask, live streaming himself, not walking around without without a mask. Like, what kind of moron are you? And then you got people like Bruno Caboclo, who was supposed to stay in his room. Like, the number one thing you're supposed to do is stay in your room. Don't leave your room. That's the first instruction you get. And he leaves his room. For for what? I don't like, know. 100% rat that dude out. Like, like yes. And Rashawn I, Holmes, like, being an idiot, like... You gotta know. You, how do you not know what the rules are, where the lines are? Just, you, call somebody and ask if you don't know. Look, there, there's like 350 players somewhere around there and two screwed up. Like, clearly people are taking this seriously, right? Like, this is very clear that the majority of NBA players are like, yeah, you know, we need this to work. And so they're taking it seriously. It's awesome. This is what it should be. I don't even mind if there's like, cry wolf calls in there to try and get people in trouble for all of this stuff because frankly there's probably film of wherever these guys are and they'll probably check it and be like what the hell are you doing so i'm not even worried about like guys getting ratted out when they didn't actually do anything and they get told on enough that they get suspended or whatever and there's going to be consequences for all of this stuff because i don't think that's actually like a possibility here and actually believe in the good of human people and these players here that they're not going to do that sort of thing too. So like there's no downside to this. It's awesome. What a great idea. I have a question for you though. Sure. In, in, in say Michael Jordan was a current player, like in his prime, is he calling this line ratting people out or does he not operate that way? Um, I I don't know if I see him. That's a good question. Right? Like as a, after the fact, yes, like in when he wants to do his tell-all and like, you know, spill all the secrets out there like he did in The Last Dance, he will certainly throw people under the bus, Horace, Horace Grant in particular here. I don't know if I would have seen him acting like that, though, in, in the bubble necessarily. I think I, – I don't know that he calls the snitch line, but I think what he does is he would he would blow that person up. I think on oh, he, like social media is what he would do. He would, he would call that person out. If he was walking along or if he was like for some reason like looking through a window and he saw Bruno Cobocolo walking out to get a bucket of ice, he'd open his door and start yelling, Hey Bruno, get back oh, in your yeah. room! 100%. And everybody would come out and be like, you know, what's going on? He would, he would totally put that guy on blast. I don't know that he would snitch, but he would make it so it was impossible not to know that he was out there. Yeah, I think that's fair. He'd also take it very, very personally. Yes, and that he would try someone, to dunk on Bruno. 
yeah, like, oh, man, would he be motivated by seeing anyone do that? Because how dare they do this and maybe get him sick? I don't know, whatever in, invented thing he came up with to feel slighted by someone, like, not following protocol guidelines. He'd be so upset that people are playing, like, doubles ping pong instead of singles because, yeah, something like that. He'd take it per- very, very personal personally, I think. But I don't see him calling in the snitch line either. Now, I mean, but I'm glad some people do. Like, I really am glad that people do. Yeah. Um, and there, there is a lot at stake. And, and, and part of the, the overall sentiment here is I, I understand that some of these guys, they don't understand the whole, the, the breadth of what's really at stake. And they're, they're cocky and, you know, the arrogance kind of gets in the way or even some of them, I don't know. Maybe they're just, they can't grasp what the, what, what really is at stake and, and what the rules are. Maybe they don't think it's a big deal, whatever it is, but more so than, Hey, you know, you guys got a lot of money at stake. The league has a lot of money at stake. The future of the league has, is, is at stake. If this doesn't work and then you have problems going into next season, there's a lot of money that goes away. Not only did these guys lose their money, the people who work in the orbit of these guys have have the potential to lose money, to lose jobs. The arena workers were, that we talked about at the beginning of this thing, what happens to them? The people, the businesses around all of these arenas that count on these games happening. I mean, I know for a fact, just looking at uh, Causeway Street outside of the, the TD Garden, when I leave the arena... After a Celtics game, it's still, there are still people filing out even at like one in the morning. So th- those places depend on that on top of, you know, Bruins and whatever, but the, all, there's a, a wide range yeah, of impacts. If they you've got to get up. this right. You, look, it, it's going to be potentially the model for other big major sports leagues. Like if the NBA can't pull this off in this bubble environment, how, how the hell is the NFL going to play? football, right? Or, or, or anything like that. So right. there's a lot at stake for a lot of different people in a lot of walks of life, I think. And so these guys should be taking it really seriously. They're blowing up the line. So they are. And yeah, we get to make our jokes too. So like, this is great. <laughs> what, let me ask you this. Do you think the punishments for Holmes and Cabocolo, which is extended quarantine, being away from your team and having to undergo increased testing, including that deep nasal swab. Do you think that is a form of punishment enough that these guys now are examples to the other guys to be like, um, wait, if that's what happens to me, if I get busted, no, no, thanks. No, I don't, I don't, I think the biggest thing is kind of being like the guy who's like called out when it gets reported that you did this and you look like an idiot. And I don't think any of the players really want that because, especially because like it's off of something like very, very stupid and like was really going to go get your postmates worth kind of the ridicule that you deal with. And also these guys actually look like they're having fun in the bubble, fishing, playing golf, doing shotgunning beers, doing a lot of different things. So like, I don't think these guys want to be stuck in their room, which at that point would have been something like 10 plus days. Like that doesn't sound too fun for a lot of these guys. So I don't think that that is what they want at all. Right. Well, if all of this seems confusing to you, uh, you're not alone. It's, it's so hard to piece everything together. When we come back, we're, we'll just kind of talk about the, how bits and pieces of information, how long it's taking us to learn What's really happening? Who's got what now? It's a very confusing situation in the bubble. We'll do that when we come back.
Michael Beasley, new Brooklyn Net, may not even actually be a new Brooklyn Net, maybe a former Brooklyn Net, because he got coronavirus, uh, left the bubble. Now, he, he tested positive in quarantine, so he was never really exposed to anybody. But there's some questions about who he traveled with and, and all of that. But we don't really... We, we knew that two people in the bubble tested positive and have since left. We didn't know right away until it was reported on ESPN by Malika Andrews and Tim Bontemps. So we also uh, didn't know that certain players from the Miami Heat weren't with the team or certain players from the Denver Nuggets weren't with the team. We just know that they didn't have all of these guys and – what was the team, Jake, that signed a player, but was in your, it was your guys, right? Yeah, it's, 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 it's my team, the New Orleans Pelicans. They, so this whole thing, we wanted to do this segment, I'll touch on that in a moment, is because like, you're gonna see a lot of reports coming out right now, and it's easy to kind of jump to conclusions on, conclusions on things, but like, people like us who do this for a living are struggling to kind of put all the pieces together because frankly, the reporters in the bubble right now are still in their hotel rooms and are going to be in their hotel rooms for a couple of more days. And the Players Association negotiated a pretty freaking good deal with the league where they are not actively naming people who tested positive And they're supposed to keep as much of this private as possible. Really, when you're seeing players test positive, it's them coming out and saying they got it or it's being leaked in some capacity. There's not one official source for exactly what the hell's going on in there. So you kind of hear stuff, and it might seem like the bubble's failing, but then you learn more about it, and it's not. The whole thing's weird. So, for example, the Pelicans announced in a press release they signed Sundarius Thornwell as a uh, replacement player, a substitute player, which I would assume means someone caught COVID-19 and isn't with the team. And I don't know who that is. Yeah. Who, who did he replace? And, you know, we get the B-roll footage that these teams send out. We see what's on social media, and you try and, like, deduce it. But there's only so much, like, Internet sleuthing you can do in this sort of thing. And we haven't been able to figure it out. We've had guesses, and they've actually been wrong on this sort of thing. So sometimes you just don't know. Like you mentioned with the Heat, with the Nuggets, and exactly what's going on. We just found out Harrison Barnes got it and wasn't with the team, and they've been there for a week. You know, right. So this whole situation is really weird. The Harrison, uh, the, the Michael Beasley one is a good, good example. You know, in, he signed five days ago, probably when people were listening to this six days ago, and then he had to pass six. He, he went down, got the physical, didn't travel with the team. I don't think because he came in after the fact, had to go through six negative tests before, uh, he'd be allowed out of quarantine, out of his hotel room. Clearly didn't pass that. So they sent him home. So it sounds like the bubble's kind of intact on all of this, but it's, Difficult to try and make the sense of it. You know, the other player that tested positive that we don't know who it is. Did they travel with the team? You know, did they go from the team, ho- the team plane to, or, you know, getting tested to orientation to then their hotel rooms? It's like how much transmission could have been done. It's, it's like so much unknown and we're trying our best to kind of figure it out, but it's actually not easy right now. Yeah. It's, it's all over the place. And I can tell you just from a, a, a media perspective or reporter's perspective. This is one of the things that it's, it's not a surprise that the teams want to hide some of this stuff. They no, no team wants to give away what's happening with their injury situation. And we're going to lump COVID into the injury situations for now, mm-hmm. not to dismiss it or anything, but this it's all under the same umbrella. When I walk into a Celtics practice or the end of Celtics practice, 
I look around and a couple of dozen other people are looking around, see who's there, who's, who's still around shooting, who's in the, uh, who's in getting treatment. If we don't see somebody, uh, we ask, Hey, Brad, did Kemba practice today? And if we weren't there to see where's Kemba, we wouldn't get the answer. No, he didn't practice today. Now we're, we can probe now we got the zoom calls. We can ask and follow up and, and hopefully we can get some information we have, but you take away an element of looking around. If I'm walking in covering the Denver nuggets, I look around and be like, huh, where, where, where's he? Where, where's, where's Michael Porter? Like, is he, I don't see him around. Is he not here? Like, so then you start to like ask the questions. So there that, and, and I want to be clear about something. I'm not complaining that, I'm not there. This is. Yeah, I, I think that it's just, look, I get them keeping the privacy and I think that's maybe a good thing. Like they bargained for it. They clearly got it. I'm not going to like knock all of this stuff. Right. Like I'm, I'm just saying that as a side effect of us not being there, I understand the media is not there because they want to take, they want to make sure that we're not in the bubble being added people who can, could make things difficult or, or test positive And though the, the, tier one people who are there, it's going to cost like $50,000 for them to be there. So it's cost prohibitive for, for mm-hmm. people like me to be there. So I get it. I totally get it. And I'm on board with it, but us not being there for practices and not being there every practice does take away an element of asking questions that would normally be asked that we wouldn't know. So there, there's, there's confusion. We don't know who's not there. We know some players aren't, aren't there. And, and, and it takes like, it's on, 10 people, media members, basically in the bubble right now, those those who are like Malika Andrews cleared quarantine. She's the only one that I know of that has cleared quarantine already. So like there's like two or three others maybe that get to walk around and they're our eyes and ears and they're the ones that get to tell us anything. I actually heard, I want to say it was Zach Lowe talking about like the NBA has has really gone all in on sports betting. For them to not release this stuff – I wonder how the gambling community is, is. That's an interesting aspect of it. Yeah. Like the NBA has been front and center about sports gambling, uh, and they release injury information early because of the gambling for, for teams now, for, for gamblers to be betting on, like, are, what are you putting on the nuggets? Are you going to bet on the nuggets? Now, are you rolling with some sort of bet that includes how many wins the Nuggets are gonna are gonna have when you don't know who's even there? Um, that I think is a, a situation that, as we get, as we move forward in this, there's somebody somewhere that's going to be asking the league, be like, "Look, we need more transparency. Who's there? Who's not?" Yeah, no, absolutely, you're right. That's you know, I think we'll get it eventually. Like once games start to get played, like. You can't keep this secret forever. They've kept it more secret than I actually would have thought. I figured by now we'd kind of know, um, who, you know, what was going on with almost every single player. And I'm kind of impressed they've kept it going on as long as they have, but like we'll get it eventually. I think people kind of really want to know right now, but games don't start for another, you know, little bit. We've got about two weeks left. So I think it's okay that we don't. And frankly, good job on the players for managing to kind of get this out of the NBA is like a concession, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, you don't want to, you don't want to stigmatize guys. And I, I totally understand that. You don't want to stigmatize anybody for getting coronavirus because you sit there and you, you, 
you hear that Russell Westbrook tested positive and you know, immediately you're just like, Oh, what was Westbrook doing? What were you doing? You start to judge a little yeah, bit absolutely. about like, how did you get it? Um, and this, it's, that's not something that should be judged, but there's an initial reaction that people are certainly going to have be like, Oh, what did you do to get the Rona? Like that, I, I think you want to protect these guys from that. Uh, I think it will change once, once they're in the bubble. The whole point of the bubble and the whole point of this testing is not to out anybody. It's to make sure that when you get in there, you're clean. And yep. if somebody's not clean in there, like they did with Beasley, you're, that's why you're in quarantine. And then, Oh, you tested positive. Boom. You're out. You're not. Let's just, let's just, like steam that room down. And then UV, theoretically throw, throw the UV lights on in there. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. and then, so theoretically, the bubble starts clean. Nobody has it. And then this way, if everybody does what they're supposed to do, maybe held in check by the snitch line, then you can keep this bubble going. So, But that information, I think, once everybody's in there, is going to have to come out. So, And it's going to have to be treated like an injury. No, yeah, and I'm sure – well, the, the betting point is is important. I mean, that's going to add revenue to the league and things like that too with their partnerships. So they probably need to be good partners on that sort of thing. So that's, that was an intriguing angle on it that I had not thought of yet that, yeah, eventually you're going to kind of need, this will get factored into all of that and you have to release that. That keeps things kind of above the board. So I'm sure we'll see it eventually or Twitter will piece it together like they've been trying to do. Um, and usually they get there if it's that sort of thing. Heck, they got JJ Reddick to shotgun a beer <laughs> with over 10,000 retweets. So never underestimate, uh, NBA Twitter when it comes to this sort of thing. So we'll find out. It might not be right now, but we'll get there eventually. <laughs> we will. Uh, we're done here. So I'm going to go shotgun a beer myself. Uh, I'm John Corrales. I'm one of the regular Wednesday hosts here on Locked On NBA. You can find me on Twitter, RedsArmy underscore John. I host the Locked On Celtics podcast. I'm Jake Madison, host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast. I'm much more of a bourbon guy now. You can find me on Twitter <laughs> at Nolan Jake. I am too, but I felt like shotgunning the beer made more sense going into it. It's all about the transition. It's all about the performance. There you go. Yeah, look, we're pros. We try and keep like a theme running throughout the show, right? Uh, yes, exactly. Uh, Thursday, we'll bring David Locke and Ben Golliver. Ben Golliver is in the bubble, currently under quarantine, so you'll hear more about what life is like inside there. That's tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Locked On NBA podcast.